Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So we, uh, as a church, are in week five. We're going through the book of Acts, the first ten books, and we're going through um, that at the same time that NBC, you know, we, we worked with some, a deal out with them, and they're going to go through this series called AD, which is the Bible continues. So they did um, a series on the Bible. And now this is just the first ten chapters of the book of Acts. And so we're going through that at the same time. And in our home groups and in groups, we're going through that. But on Sunday mornings, we're choosing the same passages that they're going through, and we're focusing on that. And um, this is, the past two weeks they were supposed to cover this, but they won't Um, because nobody likes to deal with this thing. This is one of those things that makes you all itchy and uncomfortable and you just kind of want to avoid it if you can. Um, So, you know, I'm looking in there, I'm like, they're not really highlighting this, but it's important because it's a pattern. As we talked about what we're looking at in the book of Acts Luke wrote the book of Luke and he wrote Acts. So that was his account of the life of Jesus and then the life of the early church. Like what do you do after Easter? And, the, and we see how this church, this group of people tried to live out this life of following Christ. And so we're watching them and learning from them. Um, but we want to take it as seriously as them. This is not a, a um, direction as much as a pattern. And as we watch them, though, we're going to see that God addresses issues that make them very uncomfortable. The same areas that make us uncomfortable. There's things that you just don't want to hear about, you don't want to talk about, right? You're not supposed to talk about that in church or in, in high society. You just don't bring that up. And what God addresses right away is money, possessions and goods, And it's always great when you're visiting a church and you show up and they hit money. You're like, yay, this was the time I was supposed to be here. But the reason that it makes us so uncomfortable is because it's not the money. The money's neutral. It's because of our heart. It's because of what money does to our heart. And when people talk about it, you just get all uncomfortable. Like one of the things, aside from money, to give an example of this kind of awkwardness, um, when I get really tired and I get home, uh, we had that. We had a, a long week. Had a wedding, a family wedding on Friday. When you got family weddings, you might as well just sleep for a week. And so on Saturday, I was just sitting there, and somehow the house cleared out. And so I went right to the TV, and I started looking on DirecTV. There's like 10 channels there that might have a movie you can watch. And as I was looking there, this one movie popped up, and I was like, I can't, I can't watch that movie. I can't watch that movie because it just makes me so uncomfortable. Any movie, and Ben Stiller does it all the time, and it was, um, it was the sequel to Meet the Parents, and in those movies, he just puts himself in these awkward situations where he breaks all the social rules, and you're laughing, but you're like, ha, ha, ha. like I remember when Meet the Parents came out, and everyone's like, it's so funny, so Steph and I went and saw it, and I was miserable. I was like so stressed and uncomfortable because he just went in all the directions you're not supposed to go in, and in the same way... That's what we're going to deal with today. And we're going to deal with it because in God's word it deals with it. And so let's look at it. 
So open up to Acts 2.42. And I want to I show you this pattern where God gets right to it. The, the Holy Spirit has shown up at Pentecost. They're speaking in languages that they didn't understand. And, and I love the idea that they were brought back to Jerusalem where they escaped from because Jesus was killed. And of course, they're going to look for them. So they go to Galilee. But Jesus says, you need to go back. You know, couldn't we, couldn't the Holy Spirit show up here in Galilee? Do we really need to go back there? You know, the soldiers, the killing, I mean, but they have to go back to Jerusalem and they follow because that's what disciples do. So they go all the way back and um, they arrive in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit shows up and they're excited and they go out and they, they as we talked about last week, um, they heal the man and then what happens next? Immediately, he deals with money and you see this idea of goods and possessions it's brought to the forefront so here we are in acts 242 and 45 uh, acts 242 we focus on a lot here's a church guidelines for us as a community of faith and especially for our groups whether they be life groups or men's groups or women's groups that they would have that balance you know studying god's word um, playing with each other worshiping eating together praying together and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and then I highlighted this. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So they didn't just start selling all their stuff and they didn't move up to a ranch. You can do that. That's not what they did. Um, but they sold as anyone had need. So you think, okay, that was addressed. Now let's move on to other stuff. No, it just keeps coming up. We're going to deal with it in Acts 4, but I want to jump to Acts 6. So um, Acts 6... Money makes us all itchy because it deals with the heart. We get in fights. Churches, groups, schools, businesses, families always fight about money because it's attached to the heart. Here we see with the early church, they fought about money. They fought about goods. So in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, um, the Greek Jews, that's what Hellenistic Jews means, the Greek Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews. So you've got these two ethnicities. They're both Jewish though. But they're also followers of Christ. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And they're arguing. And they're complaining with the church. They're complaining with each other. They're fighting. I'm sure you've never seen that happen before. Different ethnicities fight or to see people fight about money. But it happens. And it happened here with this church. Why? Because the widows from the Greeks they felt were being overlooked in the distribution of food. Well, where did the food come from? People were sharing everything as they had need. And of course... Our heart causes us to fight. Then we see in Acts chapter 11, brought up again. And I'm just highlighting a few areas. So the disciples, each in accordance with his financial ability, decided to send relief to the brothers living in Judea or Jerusalem. So we know um, that Paul, he, he went around and they were getting money because there was a prophecy, and it came true, of a famine that was going to happen. And it happened. And so this church in Jerusalem, the capital, I mean the, the hub, right? The holy city. That church, the first church, was struggling. Not struggling to meet rent. Not struggling to pay staff. They didn't have any of that. They were struggling to live. This is life or death. And so the disciples, outside of there, each in accordance with his financial ability, again, there was a need and they met it based on the need. They sent relief to the brothers living in Judea. I could go on and on about the different areas in Acts, the different areas where this is addressed with the church. 
But we're really not talking about money this morning. We're going to talk about the heart. Because money is neutral. It's not good. It's not evil. It's just, it's neutral. But how it affects the heart is what we want to focus on. We want to watch this early church and see how they dealt with how money can grab their heart or how money can be used to open them up. And so um, I want us to look at John 15, 13, which I think is a hinge verse as we look at what love is. I want us to look at what love is and apply that as it relates to money. So let's see how, let's see if we can pull this up. Jesus said, the greatest love that you can have for your friends is to give your life for them. That's in the today's English version. Some of your Bibles will say, um, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for another or for your friends. Um, if you want to look at, at the, um, the idiom and, and the way that the Hebrews and the, would look at that word um, to lay down you know, your life, to give your life, lay down your soul is probably a better way to say it. So you know, when you say lay down your life, like you mean like stop breathing? You mean, like lay it all down. Um, when, when you need to get healthy, as we talked about with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You are more than your body and you're more than your spirit. It's all together. The heart, mind, body, and soul, it's all together. You can't pull it apart. And so when you lay it down for someone, you're laying down all of you. And another way to translate it, I like the way that um, uh, people go and try to translate this for other countries in a way they can understand and uh, those are different ways that others have tried to translate it in other countries. I know it's really small, so it's not really for you to read. So if you're in the back, like, what's your problem, book? I can't read anything. Don't worry about it. It's not for you. Um, but I wanted to make sure I didn't forget it. And I like this one. If a man dies for his friends, that shows he has the greatest love that anyone could have. I like that because I can relate with that. Unfortunately, I grew up in a very competitive environment. So I get competitive with everything. So if you're that type of person and you want to be competitive with love, that's the greatest you can do right there. The greatest love that anyone could have is, is to die. Mind, body, soul. To lay it all for another person. So it's to lay, to love is to lay down your soul. To lay down your life. Yet we see these people that are laying down these money and possessions. You can lay them down for different reasons. But when we lay them down, we need to lay them down for love and for others. And we're going to see here in this early church that people gave for different reasons. And again, we want to come back to our heart and the effect that money has. I want to show another verse here um, from 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6. And Paul is talking to Timothy, trying to guide him as he, Timothy, is guiding this young church. And Paul gets to look in hindsight. He's seen how this early church has lived out. He's part of the early church. And so as he's giving guidance to Timothy, he says this. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This verse gets so mangled all the time. In fact, if you look it up online or you probably... Have heard it, you, you've probably said it this way. For money is the root of all evil. You ever heard that? Is that what it says? No. It doesn't say that. Money is neutral. It's not the root of all evil. 
But Timothy is trying to explain the power that it has. The love, and remember that word love, we looked at that earlier. What does love mean? To lay down your life. So to lay down your life for money is a root of all kinds of evil. All kinds. It's evil, if you don't know that word in Greek, it means bad. That was a joke. You missed it. That's cool. <laughs> evil, you know what evil is. Not good, right? It causes damage. It's, it's, it's against our better good. And so Timothy is saying, look, this is bad for you and the people. If they're laying down their lives, and another way to look at that is if you ever want to know what's important to someone, if you ever want to know what people value and really believe, look at their bank account and their calendar. Because that's where we're laying our lives down. That's where we're putting our time and effort. You want to know what's important to me in my life. Look at your calendar, look at your bank account, and that reveals where you're laying down your life, where your mind, body, and soul are being poured into. And so, for those who pour their life, their whole soul, into goods and possessions, it's a root, and it takes root, and it will create all kinds of damage where? Immediately we think about giving and money. We're like, oh, I've got to give it to other people. I shouldn't keep it for myself because it's better for other people. But when you, when you hold on and it grabs a hold of your heart and you lay down your life for it, this is what happens. Some people, remember, Paul is looking in hindsight. He gets to see this young church. Some of the people of this young church, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves. It's like forgiveness. We talked about forgiveness. I can't remember where I got the quote from. Um, but to, to not forgive someone is like trying to kill a rat by eating the rat poison. And in the same way, it affects you. And so in money here, as you're eager for money or as we lay down our life for it, it actually comes back and pierces us. And we're going to see that happen. So let's jump into it now here in Acts chapter 4. And um, I know it's going to seem like it's a repeat of a verse we've already read, but it's not. Acts chapter 2 said it, and it's repeated here in verse 32 of chapter 4. So we'll have it up here. There's one passage that I don't want to put up on the screen because I want you, even if you didn't bring your own Bible, because we're going to... Did they already pass out the Bibles? Are we already out? Okay, looks like we're low on Bibles. Um, so you're going to have to share. You might have to interact with the person next to you. But you're going to have to do it. Because I don't want you to just look up on the screen. I want you to see it with your own eyes. So here in Acts chapter 4 verse 32. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. Sounds familiar, right? If you're Luke, why do you need to say this again? I mean, think about it. I mean, already Luke has taken up a quarter of the New Testament with Luke and Acts. Like he's... He's already written so much. It's like, hey, you already mentioned this in Acts chapter 2. Do you really need to mention it again? It's such a prevalent pattern that it's just, you can't leave it out. So again, he repeats himself, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And of course, that is the central thing that is causing all of this. It's what Christ has done, his resurrection. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. Notice it says for from time to time. So it wasn't like they got to, together every day. So, okay, who's bringing stuff? We need some more stuff. Come on, churchy people. 
give me your stuff. No, it says from time to time, <laughs> right? Those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now the emphasis there, although it's hard to tell in the context of just what we've shared, it's to anyone in the church because they were taking care of the church first. The people in the church that were in need. And then, of course, as we know in Acts, they also went outside of the church, but there was an emphasis to take care of their family. We move on here to verse 36, and they give it an example. Joseph. Joseph, you're like, wait, who's this? Joseph, I don't know who Joseph is. Oh, you know who Joseph is. If you've read the Bible, if you've even kind of perused it, um, it's where we get the name Barney, because that's Barnabas. Joseph, and he was just Joseph, some guy whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold the field he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. So somehow there was a need, and he brought it. And then they bring a juxtaposition of another couple, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira. They also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Sounds pretty normal to me, right? Like, I've sold some things and given it and cared, but I don't remember ever selling an entire piece of property and giving it all. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to give 20%, or I'm going to give 10%, or I'm going to give 30%, or whatever. You just give a section of it, right? Pretty normal. Now, I want to make sure that you have your Bibles in front of you, and you go there, and I'm warning you, you need to be sitting down and you will start sweating because we're going to go to verse 3 here. So go to Acts chapter 5. You should be looking at Bibles. You should be reaching across so everybody can kind of see it. Hi, I don't know you. Want to read with me? That's what we're doing right now. Then Peter said, and I want to stress this, we don't know how he said it. So whatever voice you think he's saying it with, whether it's this angry voice or whether it's this compassionate voice, we don't know. So we want a neutral voice. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Focus on the fact that Peter is addressing the heart here. Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. You think? Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had just happened. And Peter asked her, hey, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. So the donation that they gave, he asked, so this is all of it? And she said, yes. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Conspire, meaning they had come into an agreement on what they were going to do. Ananias and Sapphira. We're going to tell them this, but it was really this, but let's, let's make sure our stories are the same. Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The same young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. 
as I read this, I'm thinking, God, isn't that a little harsh? I mean, they gave. Don't get caught up in this. One, nowhere does it say that God struck them down. Now, Peter does address, and he says, how can you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? But it doesn't say that God struck them down. That's not going to be our focus, because I see no pattern of that. We see no pattern of that with the early church. The point is their heart. Why would they do that? Why would they lie? Well, they were laying this down. It's pretty awesome. I mean, if someone from branches or someone from our sister churches were to say, you know what, we sold this property, we want to give it, and they didn't give all of it, it wouldn't be like, for real? <laughs> like, really? You gave 5%? What, 75%? Are you, like, how amazing? So it's not about how much. It's not the percentages. Why would they lie about it? There wasn't an expectation of that. But they lied about it and they conspired about it. Joseph, it says he sold the field he owned and brought the money. Does it say he brought all of it? No. So we can't assume that he sold it. Well, he gave all of it, but you didn't. So he's going to have a great life. We're all going to talk about Barnabas and Paul and how they, but you, you're gone. No, we don't know how, it's not about percentage. It's not a line, but it's about the heart. You see, because what happens here is Joseph is laying down his life very clearly to love these people in need. Ananias and Sapphira, they're not laying it down completely to love others. They're laying it down also because they love the love of other people. They, they want people to see them doing this and they're making it sound like it's bigger. We all know what that's like. We get, all get itchy with money because that's what happens, but we all love it when someone knows that we gave. Now, we, there's many of you that try to give anonymously. At, at branches, we're very clear about it. I have no idea who gives what. The leadership team has no idea. We have a bookkeeper and someone else. They're the only ones that know. But when I'm giving, and I love to do it anonymously, the reality is, if somebody finds out, that's not too bad. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want it to, but when they do, it's not like, oh, you don't go home sweating. You're miserable. You're like, oh, you know, and you just feel good because you know they think of you in a different light. We all know what's that like. Oh, did you do this? That is so nice. Oh, no, really, it wasn't. It wasn't. No. No. And so when we see Ananias and Sapphira here, we understand. But it's horrible for them. We go back to, to what Paul said in 1 Timothy. Some people have wandered from the faith and it's pierced their own hearts. I read this one commentary that said something I never considered before. Ananias and Sapphira, by the way, does it say they went to hell? No. Okay, this is not, we immediately go, oh, they got punished. They're out. They're out of the club. No, we don't know exactly what happened. I know the stress that I deal with with money. I know how it, I, I sit with married couples and single people and elderly. And it's just, it's exhausting because of the fear and everything that it does to our heart and the idea of it leaving. You know, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have uh, life insurance. But what if I don't? And then there's that fear. What about my family? And then other people are like, no, I don't have life insurance. I'm trusting the Lord. And like, I don't know how to do that. It messes with your heart. In giving, in your budgeting, in should I buy this car? Should I buy that shirt? Should I give to these? You don't know what you're supposed to because it, it messes with the heart. And so when we see them pass out dead, one commentary said this. Don't assume that they were cursed. Maybe that was the Lord's grace in their life releasing them. 
Never considered that before. God's grace is beyond understanding, but obviously they had a problem. And we don't know the details, and I don't know if God will ever explain it to us. It's probably not going to be my first question when I'm standing before him. But we know as we see them, Luke is trying to draw our attention to Joseph and Ananias and Sapphira and why they gave. And that's the focus that I want us to look at this morning. That's what I want us to wrestle with. As the body of Christ, this is our calling. To love God and to love others. And as we've tried to break it down, it's to be a community of faith and love and justice. And when we give, we want to give out of love. Not because the church asks you to give or because someone comes here and says, hey, there's a need over here in Cambodia. We want you to give to it. You don't go, oh, I like those people a lot. I should probably give it because if I don't, I mean, they gave to my thing. I should give to their thing. Like we give for all different reasons. And, and it's, we need to come down to the heart of the matter. We give out of love. We lay all of us down, including our finances, to care for others. And, in a, and I didn't plan on sharing this in the first service, but when it came out, I thought this is probably appropriate because it, it was how it, it was a friend of mine, one of my uh, life group guys. We talked about um, Corey and Kristen. They, their parents have this kind of support. They have men and women they walk with. Like this is what it's like to walk with Christ. And we, I need your help. I can't do this alone. And I've got guys like that in my life and, and their wives and their... And so um, my wife, when we got married, said this. She said, she's a very low-maintenance person. She's not a big jewelry person. And she goes, just want this ring. But when we hit our 10-year anniversary, I would like to have another band, a 10-year band. I'm like, that's 10 years away. Got that. So the moment came, and I was already prepared for it because she'd warned me 10 years earlier. But when we got to that point, um, the diamond, because we bought our ring at a pawn shop, been together and got this one. And um, we've talked about my inability to understand certain things. So I got this ring, <laughs> and I didn't notice that in the diamond there is a huge dark spot. But over 10 years, you begin to notice that. She never drew my attention to it, but I'd look at her finger, and I'm like, aren't diamonds supposed to be clear all the way through? And there's just a big black mark in there. And um, I'm thinking to myself, I should probably replace that. And uh, some things had happened where we were able to do it. And I'm sitting with my friends and I'm stressing. Like, I can't do this. There's stuff happening over here in the world and things going on here. And that's just not a good use of the money. And my friend looked at me and he said, money, it's been given to us to love people with. And who should you love more than your wife? She's not asking you for it. You just do it to let her know how much you love her. You don't have to. But why not? If there's ever a time to do it, do it now. That was such wisdom. And I felt like my heart just kind of opened up. Because sometimes the idea of giving, like I've got to give for God's things and I can't, can actually, you're trapped. Remember what it's for. It's to love. Love those in need. Love those that need. It's for love. That's, it's to lay down for others. That's why it's been given to us. And the thing is, she's got it. She doesn't go, well, that's so much better than the old one. She does. So when she received it, I know that the, it wasn't the ring, it was why. Uh, more bragging moments. Um, so last night, again, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but it fit perfectly. So last night, we celebrated our 20-year anniversary. 
If, if I had a microphone right now, I would just drop it, bam. Um, and for our family, you know, we, that's not something that's normal in our family. There's not married, there aren't people still married. And so we just got to celebrate that. And so um, we have a, a habit, a pattern, like, oh, what are you supposed to get on your anniversary? So we just go to a restaurant that we cannot afford, and we have dinner together. And so we went to this restaurant in Laguna, and we're sitting there. And here it is, when you, when you give these acts of love. And so we're sitting there, and she's like, I don't know if I should get that. And I'm like, Steph, this is our anniversary. Yeah, we're doing this. Like, you, you want that? You want this? We're doing this because... This is how valuable are. This is how valuable we are. This is a time to celebrate. Out of love, we're doing this. We don't do this all the time, but this is worth doing. So we ate this meal. It was good and blah, blah, blah. I woke up this morning. You know what? I was hungry again. <laughs> there are going to be moments when we're giving and it doesn't always fix. You don't give to always fix things. You give out of love. We just um, heard from one of our partners, uh, our friends, the church in El Salvador, and um, it just, I just got the message from them yesterday. And actually, oh, I left my phone in the back. They sent me an email after I shared during first service. It came in. And there's, uh, you know, for those of you that are surfers, you're like, yay, great surf. Well, down there, they're on the coast, and they're like, no, big surf. It's like the biggest surf they've had in years. And it has come in and washed out all these houses washed out houses and businesses, and they had this little church of widows and, and single moms, and they're, they're gone. You know, their houses are gone. And so uh, he sent me a message, because I said, hey, let us know what we need to do. I'm assuming you need money. Um, and because he knows us and because we're brothers, he doesn't feel the least bit embarrassed to say, it is critical down here. We need to help. So if you give some money, we're going we're, we're gonna to start. He gave me the pattern of what they're going to do. He's unaffected. He's up on the hill. He's a wealthy man, but he sees these people and he's rallying the people to care for them because that's what we do. That's what this early church did. That's what we do. That's what followers of Christ do. And we need to guard our hearts because if we lay it down for these possessions rather than laying it down for people, because that's what it's for. It's a tool that has been given to us to be used. If we don't do that, it's going to mess with our heart. Now, you can't give to everything. I can't take Steph. I love you. Let's go to dinner. You know what? Let's do it. Every day, it's not going to happen. The funds aren't there. As, as I love this passage in Acts 11. So the disciples, each in accordance with his financial ability. So we give at our ability, but more importantly than the abilities, it's, it's coming to our heart and trying to do heart surgery and laying it before the Lord and going, Lord, Help me to see what this is doing to me. What do you want done with your goods, with your possessions? How can I love others? How can I love my family? How do you want me to care for myself with this? How, how, it's your stuff. What do you want me to do with it? So as a church, this has brought us to a very um, good place. Uh, we as an elder team met this week. We were um, pushed, prodded, and inspired by uh, a couple situations. So we've been praying and fasting for... I think it's five weeks because we, we felt like the Lord was leading us in a decision. We're like, well, we don't know how to do this, so let's pray and fast about this. Should we do this? And then we're going to have to pray and fast to figure out how to do this. So I'm telling you what we're going to do, but I have no clue how we're going to do it. When we started Branches, um, it was very important to us that we be a church that gives out. So the money that comes in, we wanted to give at least 15% that goes out. And... Um, 
we are competitive. So we're like, no, we're going to go to 20. So at times we go to 20, 25, 30%, whatever. And then we'd stand before the church and say, these are our partners. This is what we've been doing. And this is where the money that you've given has gone within the church and outside the church. And um, so as an elder team, a few of the elders started bringing up, like, I think we need to lower that. And in my heart, I was like, no. And I like, put down a flag, like, no. We're the generous ones. We're not going to be like anybody else. And even with giving, it can be an idol. And so as we were praying through it, and, and we had another organization that came to us out of nowhere and said, hey, we support you with La Casa, which they came to us. What foundation ever comes and finds you? And they came and said, we want to support the work that you're doing in, in uh, San Juan. So they supported us. And then they called us again, because we weren't going to follow up with them. Hey, you want to give us some more? So we didn't. But they called us like, hey, we want to give you more. But the people in your church have to match this amount. And it has to happen on Sundays. And I was like, Brian, we ain't going to do that. And I'm like, who's this guy telling us what we need to do? You know? and, and, but again, the Lord was revealing me like this. So when the money comes in, the leadership team gets together and we pray over it. And we have ministry partners and we send it out to that. And it's the most fun thing we do. It's like this joy. I, I feel like Barnabas. Like, this is awesome. Except as shepherds for this flock, what we haven't done is that we feel like we have pulled that away from those of you who have been giving. You don't even know where this money goes. We tell you, but you don't know. So like, for example, this El Salvador situation. If we send $5,000 down there, you didn't know. Or if we say, you're like, hey, my church is doing this, but you don't have that experience of doing that. So I know this sounds weird because it sounds like the opposite of what we just talked about, but the church, we are going to lower the giving that we give. So we're going to drop down to 10%. We couldn't take it down to zero. We just couldn't do it. Too competitive. So we took it down to 10%. But then we said, but you know what? We are going to challenge the church where they will, not through the church, but outside, they will look for ways to give to these needs. That they will involve themselves in the needs of others. That they will find ways to lay down their lives, not just individually, but as families and as groups, and see what God would want them to do with his goods and possessions that they would look at this opportunity that was given to Joseph, that they would look at this opportunity given to Ananias and Sapphira and this early church, and that they would, all the believers would be together and have everything in common, caring for the believers of the church, but also the people outside, in our neighborhoods, with your families. Now again, I've said, I don't know how we're going to do this. Right after the first service, we had people going, so does that mean we don't give to the church? Because then how's the church going to? And I said, I don't know how we're going to do this. But I know why we're doing this. And I want that to be the focus. Don't get caught up in how this happens. But let's come back to this early church and look at them saying, we have everything in common. Let's lay our lives down for each other. Everything we have, let's give it to each other. Let's have our calendars reoriented. Let's have our finances reoriented. But let's do it out of love. Let's trust God's word that this is good for us. And that if we lay our lives down and try to hold on to it, that it's actually going to be bad for us. Let's look at ways that we cannot let money rip us apart inside and out, but let it free us up and use it for God's purposes. Let's see God move, and he moved time and time again. Now, it said that the church was in fear. Now, that word fear, it's always a bummer when you translate it in English because that word means awe. They were in awe, like, what does this mean? I can guarantee you Peter was freaked out. Peter didn't walk out of there going, yeah, look what's happening now. He's probably like, what the heck is going on? Like, 
what is this about? They were confused. And I want to show this passage. If you could go, um, I want to talk about, the, it's farther in Acts. Um, Acts, the end of uh, 5, 6. Five, twelve through 14. The apostles performed many signs and wonders. So this is just after everything happened. Ananias, Sapphira, Joseph, all this happened. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. They had a pattern, right? They'd redone their schedules, their calendars. They always would meet together in one place. No one else dared join them. Did you ever see that before? Like you catch in Acts 2 and even the first part of Acts 4 and the numbers were growing daily. But it says here, it says here that no one else dared join them. That sounds a little more realistic to me. If people start having to give up money and possessions or they see people doing it, because notice nobody told them to, right? No one asked Barnabas to. We don't see any example of Ananias fire. We don't see the leaders telling them. We just see them presenting needs. And God's spirit does something within them. When my buddy Chamba sends that email and says, man, it's critical. I'm like, Steph's got to know. We got to get the kids together. We got to, because we got to do something. He, he didn't even ask. I asked him. I saw on Facebook. He didn't even contact me. I saw it on Facebook was happening. I contacted him because I love him. That's what's happening here. But the people on the outside, they're like, what is going on here? No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So people on the outside of this young church were like, whoa, I ain't going with those guys. But yet they held them in high regard. They honored these group of people and were amazed. And we saw through those first centuries, one of the reasons the church grew is because they were the only ones caring for the needs of the community. But nevertheless, even with this fear, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That's what we want to do. Again, I want to stress, we have no idea how we're going to do this. In our thinking process, I said I was going to do this in the second service. I told the first service this and messed it up. We were going to do the offering early. <laughs> Forgot that. So the offering is going to be up here. If you feel called to give, come on up. Poor planning on our part. Um, but I want you to stand up because I want to show you this one last scripture. And I want to invite the worship team up. And they're going to lead us in prayers. Because this is what I want to be for our prayer. This is our hope for us as a church. And I want to take us back um, to Acts 11, 29, and 30. Actually, no, I just changed my mind. I'm going to go to Acts 6, 3. Because remember I told you about Stephen? Well, actually, I didn't. So in the first service, Stephen was the one that was given the job to, to work out the deal between the Greeks and the Hebrews and make sure they were taken care of. That's what his job. Not to make everybody happy. His job was to make sure everybody was cared for. And so this is what they said. They said, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you. Stephen was one of them. From among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. And so as an elder team, as a leadership team, that is the decision we've made. We are going to still, as a church, corporately give. However, we want to more and more turn this responsibility over to you because we believe that even more can be done. Not only for the needs around us, but even more important, 
so that we can receive the blessing that Paul and the early church experienced of what it is to let go. So let me pray for us. Father, you know us well. And uh, you know our leadership team well. And you, you know we have no idea what we're doing. And so, Father, we surrender to you. We want to trust you more. And we want to know what it is to, to love as you have loved us. So grow us in the love that you have for us. May your spirit continue to root things out and to um, do what it takes to present us complete in Christ before you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.